Hello everyone and welcome to the Racing Minds podcast. Racing Minds is a charitable organisation and our mission is to provide a positive, exciting and supportive safe space environment for blue light services, military personnel, veterans and individuals that are battling with mental health problems. To support their recovery, help improve their mental state through motorsport experiences and to raise awareness of mental health. The Racing Minds podcast is focused on delivering inspirational, interesting stories from within the racing community, using motorsport as our medium to raise awareness of mental health. As always, guys, thanks for the support and enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Racing Minds podcast with Jamie Falvey Racing. I'm your host, Jamie Falvey, and today I'm very excited to introduce the man, the myth, the legend, the sim, uh, sim racing streaming sensation that is Mr. Jimmy Broadbent. Hi, Jimmy. How's it going, mate? It's a mouthful, that, isn't it? You should try it to do it with, yeah. uh, with a lisp. It's a lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shall I read it back to you and then you can try and repeat it? No, don't do that to me. <laughs> um, first of all, mate, it's, a, it's an absolute privilege to have you, um, have you join us. Um, I'm a big fan of yours myself. Um, you've got a real inspira- inspirational story um, following your content now for a few years, uh, watch you regularly. Uh, and obviously you're an avid supporter of mental health um, awareness, especially with the stuff you're doing with, uh, with the Mind charity, which is awesome. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what we'll, uh, what we'll do, I'd like to start kind of um, from the bare basics and uh, kind of speak about you as a person where, you know, where you kind of got the, the bug from. Um, and for those of us out there who haven't heard the name Jimmy Broadbent, tell us tell us who you are, what you do, and what you're about. Um, I guess the simplest thing, because I have to explain this to like my friends' parents sometimes, and they don't quite <laughs> understand what it is. So, um, <laughs> I make videos about fake racing cars, and actually now more nowadays, sometimes real racing cars, which is good. Um, so, of course, massive motorsport fan, and uh, with that passion and drive i wanted to get as close as i could to motorsport and when you haven't got much money you can't really get that close um so i got into sim racing i thought it was amazing and awesome and everyone should try it so i started making videos about it um wasn't quite good at getting that point across at first hopefully a bit better nowadays and uh, just trying to find as many fun interesting things to do as possible Um, because sim racing unlike real life has a lot of uh a lot of potential infinite possibilities so uh yeah, that's pretty much what happened and i just became a content creator from there um full-time youtuber part-time host and commentator as well um for uh for grand trismo which is again another sort of um bucket list goal ticked off um and various other bits and bobs whenever i apparently have more time <laughs> which is never <laughs> uh, that's the one thing actually there's that's probably a point i should put across alex um obviously got, got us got us talking together um, so Alex, if you're listening, massive, massive appreciation for uh, making this work and making this happen. Uh, absolute legend, that boy. Um, but yeah, going back to what you what you were saying, I mean, like your your rise in kind of you could call it streaming, I suppose, or sim racing, esports, whatever. Um, but I mean, coming from when was it 20, 2013 that you started? Was it kind of around then? Twenty thirteen is when I think. 20, I think twenty twelve is when my first video went up. But like, I didn't actually start doing it seriously to about probably like mid twenty sixteen, early twenty sixteen. Yeah, that's a pretty meteoric rise. I mean, you've got what six hundred seventy thousand subscribers now on YouTube. 
yeah it's, it's something like that i actually try not to check it too often it can get a bit, <laughs> uh, it can get a bit crazy because trying to visualize that number is very difficult um but yeah it's somewhere around oh, there now so pretty mad <laughs> it's absolutely epic mate i mean I, I remember watching um i think it was two or three years ago now um you and the boys uh <laughs> around le mans um and i think i can't remember whether it was 350 or it was 250 um back then but it was you know you were 250 350 um, kind of circuit ish thousand subscribers then it's just exploded um and all credit to you you know you've been you've worked hard at it and you've built that following and you know it's a it's it's a huge achievement in itself but what what would you say this is often something i've kind of wondered about what what would you say is um the the hardest thing about um building a, a a kind of a following online are you is that something that you're just like well i'll just be myself or do you find yourself aligning with certain things that are going on regular every day-to-day life and sport wise or how do you do it yeah i mean like it, it can be a combination of the two if i'm honest like I, I find that um when i first started ages ago i thought i had an idea of what a youtuber should be like and i tried to sort of change myself a little bit to be like that um but then that doesn't work because whenever you do a stream you know keeping that up for four four hours is you can't like you, you you're going to have a slip at some point so i thought well you know what that's that's not working for me i'm not enjoying it let's just try and be me just slightly more animated because in real life i'm quite grumpy like i'm quite <laughs> I'm, I'm quite uh, i'm not quite as bouncy and i can sympathize <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly but when you have an audience to play off it's a lot easier so um i mean if there's kind of real life stuff going on that always helps you know like f one's always a big draw i mean you'll see uh, with the the youtubers that specialize in formula one content their channels do this yeah like through the year they go up and down a big s curve because um f1's on oh my god content it's off and then they're just sort of recycling old content till the new stuff comes about but yeah. i've always prided myself on not being just one motorsport or one discipline all, all those sort of things everything's awesome everyone should see all of it um yeah. so really it just became a matter of i like this car i like this track let's make a video about it and make it interesting and that's basically what the formula was for and kind of is still now for the last five years so yeah very successful obviously (laughs) um (laughs) at what point would you say would you say you realized that this is this is gaining a lot of momentum here like this is kind of you know moving at a pace that i hadn't really realized um, I mean, to be honest, I had the one moment of kind of this is uh, the realization of, oh, this is actually going somewhere, which is when I actually made um, the same wage I used to make at my old job from YouTube. And I thought, oh, my God, like, and, and then this this was when I was uh, you know quite ill and unemployed and all those things. So I was like, oh, this is actually going to be something I can hopefully rely on and depend on. Um, that was a couple of years ago now. And I think that the the big thing for me when I thought, this is actually getting kind of out of hand is when my brother came to me and he said, uh, it's a James, my name's my name's James, of course, but I, I despise being called James. Only, only, my, only, my, fa- only my family really called me James. He <laughs> says, uh, oh yeah, James, I turned on my PS4 the other day and you were there on the Gran Turismo. Like you're like, <laughs> and I was like, really? Oh, and that, that, that was sort of like, the you big, can't get away from you. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that was the big, oh my, that's, that's that was, uh, took a step back there a little bit. Yeah. It was, it, it was actually a really nice moment when, um, uh, well, personally, when, when I was watching, when you did the, uh, the commentary, um, 
was it for the first time for the was it the esports games or uh, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, for Gran Turismo, I think we did. I think the, the first commentary for that was back in 2018. Now, actually, it's yeah. a long, long time ago now, isn't it? <laughs> they, though, it only seems like I was watching that yesterday, and it was, it was, it was a mega thing to, thing to see though. And uh, you were, in my well, in in my opinion, you were you were kind of in your happy place. You could you could see that you were enjoying yourself and having a good time, and you know it wasn't something you were having to force. If that makes sense. Well, once I got into it, yeah, it was fine. I always think that I've been okay as a commentator so like it's it's been well that wasn't hard bit the, but the hard bit was like being on camera uh, and it's a big tv camera so this big thing comes in looks at you and you put like look at it dead in the eye and like <laughs> talk, 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 talk to your friend next to you and i was shaking beforehand i was so nervous i've never been more nervous in my life and uh my co-commentator at the, at the time is a fellow named chris mccarthy and i always love him for this just said like mate going to be fantastic just talk to me like you talked to me before the broadcast and we'll just we'll do just fine and yeah. i did and it worked <laughs> oh you could tell you know it came across really really well i would absolutely shit myself uh, <laughs> well i did actually because last year we had it um on itv and and i think it was i can't remember when we when we first got i think it was alton park um yeah it was alton park we first got on the podium and um i think it was steph or uh, Steph or one of the guys from Genetic came in and said, right, interview time. And I was like, I'd probably rather go out and do the race again. The race is probably easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, well, it's one of those things I suppose you get used to, I suppose. Um, with your, so you, you've you not hidden the fact that you've dealt with um, mental health issues, um, you know, for, for a long time, um, which is mm. one of the reasons why um, I think you're you're a very, strong certainly certainly a role model would be the right way to describe you um because i think it's still a, a massive stigma in itself um but would you like to go into any any detail at all about you know how that's affected you in, in, your, in your early life and where that's brought yeah you? i mean I, I i can kind of go through the story it's it's fairly long but you know i think it's i think it's always worth telling because then maybe people also talk about it which is you know, the first the first step as everybody knows or most people know um so basically you know kind of i guess standards quite a troubled childhood um alcoholic father um it was also quite abusive to my to myself and my mother that was growing up as about was it seven seven eight years old or so and then um basically bounced to a, a stepfather after that who was actually exactly the same which was kind of terrible um then in between stepfather one and stepfather two uh my dad took his own life um and i think just because of like being very well alcoholism really having just claimed him in the end and then we had step dad two who was just completely unsympathetic and again um just not a very good person my mum bless her she's a lovely woman but she can't pick men very well <laughs> uh, uh, i'm so sorry um like sorry yeah the, <laughs> well, there was all that and to be honest i kind of dealt with that i think okay and I, I didn't have any counseling at any point um not for any of it um i think that like there was once a point where um i was sort of introduced to a counselor through like you know when you're a kid and you're sort of like oh this is mum's friend that they brought in and it's not really like you don't make the connection that it's someone there to sort of poke you a little bit yeah um but then that never really seemed to go anywhere or work um so there was always something like from that 
coming through i was functioning okay but there's always something there there's like that sort of like that patch in the back of your head that's a little bit black and you don't quite understand why dark cloud yeah and then um a few years after that i i met my now ex-fiance and uh, you know things are going really well and out of nowhere that all ended um completely unbeknownst to me and that was like the the trigger for everything like there was like there's like a snap and then everything that had happened in the past everything that had uh, been affected in that way sort of resurfaced and there, there are still things i'm missing out but we could just go I, I could spend ages talking about it. i don't really fancy it but like um that yeah that was that and then suddenly i found myself like almost a completely different personality it was a very weird switch um because i was quite quiet and introverted to myself and all that thing and i became this like wild extrovert um like very overly outgoing you know like um almost confrontational and yeah. I, I look back at it now i don't recognize the guy i mean like i mean both in terms of minds and appearance like i dropped a ton of weight um because i i think i convinced myself that i didn't deserve to eat for a few months so i was like, like oh i'll just have like what i would do is i'd have like a, uh, some coffee and then have like a boiled sweet and that'll yeah. get me going and then that'll be like that'd be my, my like diet um and i thought oh this is fine this is good you know i'm doing all right here <laughs> no one needs to know anything's going on yeah. and you know during that phase also um quite a bit of self-harm as well um still got quite a few scars nowadays and that will always be a reminder of those times um and then that sort of all culminated with me basically just like having a massive breakdown collapsing being uh, a puddle of a human being on the floor <laughs> you know in the in the in our bathroom and end up in hospital and basically being told like you need to start taking care of yourself or like you're going to come back here and it's going to be like big damage um and that was about in 2015 2016 that was right at the start of 2016 when that sort of happened so not really and, that long ago i mean yes yeah, it's, it's it's a while ago but it's not actually hmm. that long ago really no i mean not particularly i mean for me like it feels like it's been a long time because of how different things were then. Yeah. Um, but you know, on, on, on top of that as well, I was, I hate, I hated that I was ill, you know, like I didn't, I didn't, I don't think people who have mental illness are any worse or any better than anybody else, but I hated that I was ill. I hated that I couldn't get over things. And like, I was sat here yeah. not contributing to anything. Cause at, at the time I was claiming, you know, basic disability from the government uh, benefits so i could actually so i could live you know um and i hated that i did that i was like i'm i'm a, I'm a degenerate i'm some sort of leech and i don't think that of people just to get that out there at all but that's how i look to myself you know you're, you're always harsh as yourself aren't you yeah. um so i was like right jimmy you gotta go get a job and my doctor at the time was like this is the worst idea. Do not do this. Like focus on recovering and then you can maybe look at a job. And I was like, nah, it's this guy knows, knows fuckle. I'll go get a job, you know? And then I had three jobs in about, I think three or four months. And each time it ended exactly the same with some sort of like anxiety crisis and yeah. me ending up sort of back on, back on the ground again. So, um, that is kind of the short story of it, I suppose. Um, the long-term effects now is like still sort of having, um, quite, you know heavy depressive episodes now and then yeah, yeah but the difference is now i can sort of feel them and see them coming like before yeah. it was like a, almost getting slapped in the face <laughs> yeah yeah would you say you understand it a bit more now a little bit yeah i know that like 
I know that it can take just one thing. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. One thing can go wrong, and then I'll just tumble, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I, what I used to try and do is like, oh, I'll just push through it. I can do it. Now I just like, okay, that's the day done. Like, take the day, rest. And I'm, I'm lucky I'm in the position that I can do that. But uh, obviously, uh, you try to have as few of those days as possible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I, I can, I can 100% relate to a, a couple of things that you you said there i mean obviously this podcast is not about me but um very 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 similar in the way you mentioned that you, you got to a stage where there was there was almost like a catalyst mm. uh, that kind of set everything going everything from there it was like just falling off a cliff and everything just went um yeah like yeah similar kind of situation um coming out coming out of the military i got med- medically discharged and um it was kind of it was totally out of the blue because physically the, you know to look at me there was nothing wrong with me um so it was kind of you know i had that career in the back of my head and you know i was 100 committed to it and it was you know it, it was absolutely everything that i wanted and needed to do uh, and at the same time similar to your situation my my relationship i was in at the same at, at that time ended as well so it was kind of like one thing after another thing after another thing so yeah 100 i can i can relate to that i always likened it to when i've when i've spoken with professionals about um some of the issues is like going down a rabbit hole, like just yeah. falling and falling and falling down a rabbit hole. And, you know, there are many different, you know, burrows and branches you could, you could go left or right. And, you know, sometimes you just find it hard to stop yourself. So yeah, I can, I can 100% relate to that. Absolutely. Um, so what, what would you say, um, what would you say was the catalyst for change in a positive way? Um, I think like, I had a couple of quite close relationships, you know, with friends, and I'm, you're lucky in that scenario to have people who can sort of see you from what is, from your point of view anyway, an objective point of view. Yeah. Because I, I would always say to them, like, I am never going to get better. This is my life forever. That's how I felt. Like yeah. I felt that like I was just too far gone at that point. And um, I had a friend that he would. Uh, I ended up sort of kind of living at his house for a, a few months um, just because. Uh, whilst the shed is a, a hilarious meme it is very solitary down here you know like it's it is just like a box on my own so like you can go you can go a bit mad you know in here but luckily i've tamed the shed now so we're good um <laughs> but i i lived in his house and i every time i felt like i well, I made an effort first of all to talk more about it because i i, I, I thought that i was boring people because you know you'd you do you do weird things when you're like that. You like you reach out to people you haven't spoken to in years, just looking for some sort of like direction or, or answers or anything. Like you you don't understand what the thing you're going through. So you say, like, "Hey, you, random that I've not spoken to in years. This is really weird, but please tell me what I should do." <laughs> you know, and and usually that's met with like, <laughs> "Bye," you know, um, and that, um, which is kind of fair enough. But um, my friend would just let me talk, and let me talk, and let me talk, and say, "Well, okay." here is my viewpoint of what you just said i think you know the the thing you're saying is not actually correct i think yeah. like you this is your your brain kind of lying to you because that's what kind of mental illness can be it's like your brain isn't working kind of as intended at the time so you, you're seeing things differently um and sort of having that in my head and what what, what was the that, that was a bit of advice is that everything is transient and like I took that like to heart and think about everything that I do has a beginning and has an end. So this thing that I'm going through does have an end, 
I just can't see it yet. Yeah. And that and like a couple of little kind of like little phrases, like um, I really like like the phrase like uh, you know that this too shall pass and the uh, and the um, it's it's just a bad day, not a bad life, and those those, those little things that like you yeah. sort of just repeat these mantras in your head. Absolutely. And that alongside what I said earlier about just just craving to be productive, cra- craving to be some sort of use to society, yeah. no matter how that was. I thought, well, you know what? Maybe it's not going to be a use to <laughs> you know the the village or the people around me, but um, I will just make a video every day. Keep me occupied. Just do something. Just anything. You know, you're, you're here is like this objective thing that you have made. You can see it. it's in front of you. You did that today. It's a proof that you've done something. Yeah, and that was really helpful in recovering. I'm very very similar to that. I need to I need to have ticked a small box each day to feel like I've been productive and to get a positive feeling out of the day. If if I start if I start the day and I have more jobs or tick boxes left at the end of the day than i did at the beginning i feel i feel shit yeah um, and it, it doesn't matter how how big or how small it is it could be something simple like getting up and making the bed like that's a yeah, yeah that's a success um so i i try and keep it simple in that respect so 100 i can i can absolutely um relate to that which at which point did you did you always have a love for racing and motorsport or did it kind of come about at a similar time when you were going through difficulties or was it always there it's always been there like it's been there um well one of the few good memories i have with my father is that was um my first grand prix my and i and i say my i don't know exactly when it was i know it was a rothman's williams so to me that's even that's probably 96 or 97 Yeah, yeah um and watching the goodyear logo on the tire go round and round and that was the thing i was like that's like as a kid i was like oh wow that's like entrancing me that, that, yeah. that motion and just from then on i was just fascinated with any anything to do with racing especially formula one as a kid because when you're a kid you know the the big loudest series is the thing that gets you on board and yeah. that was it so my mum bought me um oh, this is such a nice i always love this story it's so wholesome it's something that i hope that i get to do to my kids when i have kids one, one day <laughs> is that i was suffering from chicken box as a kid so I was on the sofa feeling sorry for myself, and this, uh, I must have been about six, six years old at this point. This is how much I, how much it means. I remember it so clearly. <laughs> and you remember Woolworths, right? Um, yeah, Woolies. Yeah. So they used to have this this bright pink pick and mix bag, and yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. And uh, as a kid, I was actually allergic to a lot of stuff. I had a lot of, sort of allergies and things like that. So I wasn't really allowed chocolate or sweets or anything fun. Basically, I was. I'd end up having some sort of horrible reaction to it, but we found a suite that I was allowed if I had a couple of them, it was okay. So mum brings in this pick and mix bag. I'm like, oh my God, this is already great because I'm getting sweets. I never get sweets. <laughs> and uh, I noticed that when I take the bag, it's a bit heavier than it usually is. I think, oh my God, mother load, fantastic, you know. <laughs> and, and inside it is a copy of F197 that mum bought for me uh, to, to, make, to make me feel better. And I'll always remember sitting down and just absolutely smashing that game out you know um, i mean i remember doing full length races when i was like eight or nine years old because i thought that was <laughs> I, yeah I, I, I didn't have any friends you know um but um that was a that was amazing to me and then uh my granddad uh who now sadly passed away um he he got me again around a similar sort of time a vhs of the 1997 season review of uh btcc 
with uh with a super tourist with mario walker doing the commentary again <laughs> yeah sad, sad to see him go recently that was, that was a hard one um but having murray there bringing that to life and watching these cars i mean those, those super tours were spectacular in the true sense of the word they sounded amazing all the liveries were really poppy and the drivers were on such a good level that and that no definitely not um but that and f1 that just basically paved the way for everything for me and i actually think it was really important that i had that touring car video because otherwise i would have just stayed with f1 which is a mistake that so many motorsport fans make yeah i yeah. think yeah I, I, i'm similar actually um i start you started with f1 you know basically got carried away with the romantic side of it and i think i went to a um uh this is it isn't actually um that well i say i was roughly i was about 22 23 so actually it was a long time ago i'm an old bastard now uh, <laughs> it was it was about well i'll tell you when it was it was end of um 2007 beginning of 2008 and hamilton was doing a demo lap uh in his pre so it would have been 2008 so it was his previous year's car and he was doing a demo lap around the brand's um Grand Prix circuit because we went to see uh, the British Superbikes. It's either British Superbikes or World Superbikes, and I remember seeing it come down Paddock Hill, and the noise um, mm. it made up towards um, up towards Druids, and I just it absolutely blew my mind. Ab- just absolutely incredible, and the amount of speed that it bled uh, in the braking zone, I was like, holy shit! So <laughs> yeah, it was, it was it was pretty spectacular. Um, but uh, so. Uh, at what point then did was it just a natural progression from kind of gaming into into sim racing was it is, it, is it something you kind of fell naturally into or is it was it kind of something you always thought right, i'm going to do this um i guess it sort of happened quite organically i suppose because i um my favorite racing well, my favorite game sorry were racing games even from the you know, a young age because of f197 so i you know i played all the grand trismos um i played pretty much any f1 game that came out on console um, the good and the bad and then um, it got to ps3 and again I, i've told the story many times before but I, I always think it's sort of nice to go over it because it's i think it just goes to show like how these little things can sort of change your course very very dramatically you know um yeah. is that i was um i was off work and i forget why i think it's because i rolled the mr2 i had an MR, mr2 <laughs> and, I, and i and i had rolled it and um well, mr2 they're like flat <laughs> oh, because, snap over steer my friend it's uh <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll get you um a deal of effort <laughs> yeah i mean it's not my pre- I, I want to be, I, like, I like to pretend that i was like oh, doing some really cool badass thing but i just i slid on ice at like 30 miles an hour and just hit a bank and went over <laughs> so it wasn't great but um so i was off work with a bad back because i sort of like messed my back up a little bit in that and um i was playing online on Gran Turismo 5 um circuit called Deep Forest and I was doing the reverse circuit yeah and uh, up until then my GT5 experience has been just stomping the field with a gamepad and you know just not really caring too much and then um and, and then when you don't stop the field you get wrecked because someone just dive bombs you know from a million years back kills you and then go oh, got you so, yeah cool really fun um <laughs> So then I had this really like intense fight with somebody. Like it, we were, it was in super GT cars and um, it was clean. Like I'd go up the inside, he'd give me the room, you know, I'd, get, I'd return that. There, there, there was respect on the circuit. And I thought, 
Yeah. My God, I need more of this. This was the best thing I've ever done in racing. Yeah. And then I sort of started looking into things that and realizing that the console wasn't really going to be the way to go. So um, with my next paycheck, I spent literally all of it on a PC and a steering wheel. <laughs> awesome. I love it. <laughs> what, what would you say? I'm going to word this correctly. Um, did you realize kind of alongside the streaming side of um, your business, I suppose, if you want to put it that way, um, did you realize it was going to be successful to the level that it is now? Um, did you always kind of, did you just expect it to carry on building the way it is now? Or was it kind of like, well, I'll just see where this goes. It was, there was never any expectation of any of this. Like I'm constantly like just in amazement of how far it's come. I have no idea how I've got here. You know, like it's not, it's not okay. some sort of like I've, I've planned it out. It's just like, Oh, this is lucky. <laughs> yeah. So someone said to you like 10 years ago, this is where you'd be now. You'd be like, yeah, piss off. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, it's I, well, one bit of advice I always give to people when they say to me, Jimmy, how do I become a YouTuber? Cause everyone wants to be a YouTuber because they, because they see like you doing cool things go oh i want to do that but for me it was just genuinely a way of coping with being really depressed uh and i i I still i still have that sort of bit of attachment to it if i leave it for a long time i sort of start to feel you know like i'm not being productive i start to feel old feelings creeping back in it isn't like i you know I, i i'm reliant on it but it's there's definitely still a connection there and I did it because I wanted to talk to people yeah, and share um, share racing cars with people and talk about it and learn. And the best way to do that is online. So yeah, that's kind of how that happened. No, no I think you do, do an awesome job at it. Um, so personally, you remember, I don't know if you've done one recently, actually. Uh, do you remember the, um, the end of year kind of uh, <laughs> montages that you do, like kind of, uh, kind of, what's the word um capping up the year and going over the kind of experiences you've had and uh, so i think you did you definitely did one in 2017 you did one in 18 i'm pretty sure you did one in 19 i don't know if you did one last year um just been too busy i think um but the big the big thing for me um and associating this with effectively what racing minds is about um was obviously racing makes you very happy um, whether or not it's sim racing, real life racing, which you're now getting into, which we'll get onto in a bit. Um, but the, the difference in your demeanor from the earlier recaps and the, just the way you were speaking, like if anyone's watching this now or listening to it now, I encourage you to go and check it out because it is a, you, a different person. Um, just the way in which you're talking, the way, um, how enthusiastic you sound, um, you know, you, you honestly sound like a different bloke. Uh, and then you come to the later years and it's like, oh, you know, hi guys, you know, all the rest of it. And it, it's a, it's a, it's a real audible increase in how just excited you are just to be doing the things that you're doing at the moment. It, it's, I always remember thinking that's an awesome thing. Like it was, it was a physical moment when I was watching, um, watching one of them and I, I grabbed Daisy, my wife, and I was like, listen to this like that. And I played it to her and she's like, that's awesome. That's incredible. Um, so for me, uh, how much does racing, well, I suppose the question is, how much does racing mean for you mentally, like from a, from a kind of 
mental health perspective, what does it do for you? Um, I mean, we, we can walk it back a bit and say that back in those, you know, those early days in, in sort of 2016, um, alongside YouTube racing was a really good way for me to sit down and just let my mind take a break. Because you can, you really have to focus when you're driving the sim racing. There's a lot, a lot, there are some people out there who still think it's just like a glorified video game. But tell you what, after that race, and the, I did, I did 12 hours of Bathurst the weekend, and my shoulders hurt. So I, I tell you what, it's not, it's not, <laughs> not just a video game. Um, but um, I think that, yeah, I mean, it, it was the same sort of thing as, as I said for video. You can have a really good race, have a good result. And then sort of say, hey, look, here's this objectively good thing I did today. There's a number that I did well. Numbers don't really lie half the time. So it's mm -hmm. good to have that. But, you know, the racing for me has always been like racing drivers are the coolest people in the world. They are like they're like these amazing athletes to me. And to be honest, actually meeting some of them, you, <laughs> it's changed a bit now. But, but, they, but they were um, they were up there for me. And racing cars is for me like it's it's glamorous it's sexy it's dangerous it's all those things you sort of fantasize about as a kid you know like, like this is amazing i want to go and do that and when i when i heard that you know i was going to be driving um praga we'll get into that a bit later but um no i, I cried i cried like a baby because oh, like it's a lifelong dream to get in there and you know i'm driving a proper racing car for a team i got my team jacket i wear it everywhere <laughs> i'm like it's just it's just the kid in me that is just absolutely over the moon the adult in me is a bit terrified because my like, oh god this is going to be a big deal but um you know for me the goal was always to try and get into racing no matter how i do it if it's through sims i'll do it through sims i have to be involved in some way there's there's there was no future that i can imagine where i wasn't involved in some sort of cars or racing yeah likewise likewise i can yeah yeah definitely sympathize with that um yeah similar situation when we when we landed the the, the sponsorship deal to go racing last year i had a, a teary moment as well <laughs> that was a big big moment for me because the first um first big sponsor we'd, we'd managed to land to cover cover the season but we're, we're still still working with at the moment so yeah yeah it's a, it's a big deal it's a big deal people don't people don't understand what it means um you know, and especially if you're, I think a lot of people look at racing and the, one of the questions you'll, you'll get this as well from um, people that come to watch you race as well and watch the, the real life stuff, but like, Oh, how much do you get paid when you win a race? Like, <laughs> you, don't, you don't get payment. What? Well, how much does it cost to go racing? Uh, about 150, 200 K. What? That's more expensive yeah. than house and all the rest of it. And pe people just like, it, they, they just don't, they can't fathom the level at which, this sport operates and and what the kind of cost and figures that are getting thrown around the place just i mean a set of tires for 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 a weekend with super cup last year was like eight grand it's like yeah. you know people are like uh all right yeah i'll probably get a half decent holiday to maybe mauritius for that oh my, my favorite one right and i had this so much is that why do you spend all that money on a sim rig you could but you could go real racing with that and i was like please find me a series where i can spend five grand and race for a because hey, i'll i'll go and do it like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. Um, let me know i'll be there <laughs> even mx5s like i think like god uh, I'm, I'm going to throw a number that is probably wrong out there. So a, a decent MX-5, like Mark 1 MX-5, probably about three or four grand. Get a cage yeah, in it, get all that in it. Let's say, 
two grand, grand and a half to get your race prepped. So, mm-hmm. so you're at, you're at let, let's say six and a half grand for that. Then the full season, then the tires, then running costs, and then of course entry to championships, entries to clubs to go racing as well, you're all, and licenses to go there. You're probably looking at about ten grand um, if you have a, if you if you do really well, like yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and testing. Want to run halfway near somewhere the front? You know, it's it's kind of. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it is a tough one. It is a tough one. When I I find it a lot. Like a lot of friends ask me, um, a lot of friends, <laughs> not a lot of friends. <laughs> um, like pe- people do. It, they're like, all oh, right, well, you know, how much does this cost? They just just can't fathom it. Um, and it, I I can understand that. You know, it, it's a, you know, it's it's a very elitist sport, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it certainly is. I remember when we were looking at the cost to do last year and I was just like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to sell a kidney and then basically go and haul myself out on the streets. <laughs> well, I, well I'm, I'm really clever, right? Because Praga have basically said, yeah, come, come drive with us, which is great. Amazing. But I mm. thought, you know what? I actually like throwing my money into a pit of fire. So I'm obviously, I'm building my own car as well. You know, I've, I've got my own race car. Yeah. And oh my God, like everything. <laughs> like I, I think I was looking at um, trying to get like we were going to have analog um, gauges and yeah. before we settled to go down like a digital dash route, which is still like a grand for a fucking dash. Yeah. Anyway, and then but like for each gauge, like saying water temperature, we're looking at a stack. Yeah. And it's like 250 quid for like yeah. a gauge for your water temperature. Yeah. And you, and you think, cool, I could go. And have a really good night out with that. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whiskey's on me. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And it can all come to a crashing halt with a big repair bill for the cost of or for a failure of a little <laughs> circlet. It's just like... right. I'm laughing because my the guy, my fab guy did the front split. It was like, please don't crash. It took me so long. <laughs> like... <laughs> oh Christ! Yeah, I, yeah. I, I know that feeling. I've binned it in the very, very last race on the last round uh, last season. Like it's just, it was one of those situations where I was going backwards and I just thought, well, put it, put it in the fuck it bucket and, and send it. And yeah, I was, and I'd actually sealed a deal to sell the car like a couple of weeks later and just properly shunted it like into the, uh, like it, it was fine. Like the, the, the chassis, like the engine, like all the, all the running gear was absolutely fine, but basically all the bodywork, um, you know, you speak to anyone who races Ginettas and basically if you touch grass, they explode. Like they're just like, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're like allergic to grass. Um, and yeah, this wasn't grass. This was like a full on, um, basically love session with the wall. Um, so yeah, it, it wasn't my best, wasn't my proudest moment, <laughs> but yeah. So like you say, um, moving on to your, your current racing kind of plans, you're racing the Praga this year, which is enormously exciting. Like you must be absolutely buzzing for that. Yeah. I mean, like I am, well, I guess to walk it back a bit in sim racing, I've always loved driving things with downforce, things with wings, you know, I, I, that's, that's my preference. So to have someone come along and say, Hey, look, baby prototype with lots of power like oh okay and that, that sounds like it'll be really amazing but i'm equal parts like excited and intimidated by what i need to learn to be competitive and of course we'll be racing in brick car and the praga the r1 um i think on some circuits it's going to be the fastest car yeah um so which means that we're going to be lapping traffic 
in yeah. this little baby little prototype. You know? well, you'll, you'll be lapping traffic quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, so that's something else you've got to learn as well. And you, you start to realize that all these little skills you picked up in sim racing are going to help you push you in the right direction, but yeah. not get you over the finish line. So you're like, oh, I've got a lot to do. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. No, to, to be honest, mate, I, I mean, I think having having a bit of nervous kind of tension there is, is, is positive. It's good. It keeps you switched on. It keeps you sharp. Um, you know, if you did, if you didn't have that, you wouldn't, you wouldn't respect the car when you go out on circuit. Um, I was talking to, um, to, uh, do you know, Abby Eaton, the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Grand, Tour, Grand Tour driver. So she does a bit of coaching along, alongside me, um, with a team, the team that I'm working with at the moment. And, uh, she tested, tested the Praga. Um, I think it was a few weeks back. Um, and obviously she's a fantastic driver, um, knows exactly what she's doing. And she said, cold tires, just keep your wits about you. Um, mm. so once, once the car's up to, up to temps, got heat in, into the tires and you, and you're going, she said, it's not, it's not too bad. Um, but she said, yeah, cold tires, just, just build into it gradually. But... Well, yeah, she's, well, she's driving one of the cars this year. Um, yeah. so I'll be going to her asking for, for advice, I think, uh, yeah, um, awesome. What, when when's this airing, by the way? I'll just uh, this one we're here. Um, so I, I, I... We're basically going to build up a roughly around about a a bank of about five six episodes, which will be done pretty pretty consistently over the next couple of weeks. Okay. And then looking to push it out potentially a couple of months time. Um, I want to do a bit I, of a build up basically. I only ask because then obviously I can tell you what my teammate's going to be next year because it hasn't been announced yet. It's being announced in well as of this date in the next three days. Um, I won't so, that. definitely. Know. So um, yeah, my my teammate for this year is last year's champion, Jem uh, Hepworth. Um, so um, we went karting the other day to have a sort of like a meet and greet, which is really fun. I've never driven um, a senior car in the rain or driven at Wilton Mill, <laughs> so that was a fun. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, it was really good. It was really a lot of fun. And I think my fastest that was only about 0. 0.4 off hers. So I felt pretty good about myself at the end. You'll be, um, if that's the case and you, you, you're on that pace, mate, you're, you're looking pretty good. So just hoping that, yeah, I mean, not, not getting, uh, what's the word complacent at all, but yeah, it's nice to sort of know it's not a million miles, you know, cause if, if, if it was like three seconds of that, but yeah, where's that, you know, yeah, but yeah. 0.4, you can go around and probably find that quite easily if you, just yeah, look, yeah. Look, look at some replays so um it's nice having gem there as a teammate kind of like someone who's experienced i know someone who can win yeah you yeah. know and also someone who's in a very similar position to me a year before she i think went from carts to doing her six signatures to then racing which is essentially what i'm going to do so um just with less karting <laughs> <laughs> I well, think... but she, she said they're like oh i've been karting since i was 11 so well, i've been karting since i was 26 that's <laughs> 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 similar to me well, i didn't start karting until i was like 20 24 25 and i, I wasn't yeah. particularly good um but no she i mean she, she'll keep me on the straight and narrow she knows what she's doing um but no it'll be i'm I'm quietly confident about your prospects this year, actually. Not, <laughs> not to not to put put any any pressure, but sim sim racing's coming a long way, uh, and it's you've only got to look at you know drivers like Verstappen, you know Norris, guys that are running running sim racing all the time. You know they're quick in real life and they're quick on quick on a sim as well. Um, you look at Baldwin, who's gone into British GT and you know bossed it in his first race. Um, you know, I was watching. I was sitting there cheering for him. I was like, I put time aside. I was like, I've got to watch James. I, I've, I've known him a couple of times. It was so good seeing him. 
such an incredible performance. And, and you know, and he's, he's doing the British GT esports now and bossing that as well. So, mm. you know, he's he, he massive talent. But I think really it, it outlines how much potential sim racing has for the future because I, do, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but my I love karting, karting's great, but it kind of I don't think it's the be all and the end all. So unless you want to go F1 uh, and be a junior for Ferrari or Alpine or Alpine or whatever, um, and kind of go that route, the, the open wheel route, I don't genuinely think there's a lot of point in putting hundreds of thousands of pounds into a kid in karting when you can put them into a car pretty early in their career and get them into sim racing. It's a lot cheaper for a start. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just that traditional route, isn't it? People are still very set on you have to do, you know, karting, open wheelers, F, whatever, yeah. F3, F2, F1. Um, but I think that sim racing is getting to a point now where I think it could be complementary to like karting or something like that. Because, I mean, I've I've spoken to, I mean, I, my experience in real cars is still, you know, compared to people my age who've done racing for a long time, it's still very little. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you it is this way because that's not true. But I think that karting teaches you one very specific way of driving um, and one very specific way of thinking when driving. Um, when you see it, you see karters in sim, when they come to sim for the first time, they get into a lot of crashes. Yeah. They, 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 they do a lot of like, oh, chuck it out of the inside because they'll give me their room. And like they'll, then they'll learn that that's not really how things work in sim racing. You know, you've got to be a bit more respectful than that. Yeah. Um, not to say, of course, that like you can't race people. Of course you can. But um, it, it just teaches you one way of thinking. And I think that karting, whilst I still think is, is, is amazing for learning the basics, for me, it's been fantastic to go out there and learn because you feel so much when you kart. You, know, you feel everything. Yeah. And that's something that I've never felt as a sim driver before. Um, I still think, as you say, there's this really big gap for sim racing to sort of jump in and go, listen, do this and this. Yeah, yeah. And you will you, know, you will really prosper. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I think racecraft and fitness, I don't think you're going to get any better kind of uh, proving ground than karting. No. Uh, I think that's pretty, that's, that's pretty awesome for that. Um, but yeah, it, it was kind of... I'd almost unlearn some stuff that I'd learned <laughs> in, in karting when I got into like little small caterums and started to try and learn, learn how to go quick enough in, in a, uh, in a car. So yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, but it, it goes the other way though. You know, I've seen that in sim racing, like one of the weird habits I came across and is if you, uh, there's a video I did where I drove at Assen in a one series uh, or three videos I did. And that was really fun because it was my first time proper ragging a car on the circuit. And I mean, I was not to toot my own horn. I said, I'm going to toot it. Screw it. Um, I was, you know, I was seconds faster than anybody else. Yeah. I saw, that. I saw that video. It was awesome. Yeah. There was a guy that raced in the series in that car. I turned up and went four seconds quicker than him around the circuit. And he's like, I don't know how we did that. I, I'm watching. Is your car faster than mine? And like, you watch it in the braking zone where I'm just like, I'm hammering the brake and he's just not, you know, um, but, <laughs> yeah i felt i felt kind of bad because he turned up in a race suit well, i think i literally raced in this jumper <laughs> I was like, there, like, um, but um one of my really bad habits that i picked up is that i you with force feedback you search for grip because this when you're driving a sim all you have is the wheel so you're always trying to search for where that edge of the grip is so you sort of do this a bit you move yeah. the wheel like this so i was going for the corners well. yeah i was going for the corners doing this yeah and my instructor was like what are you doing 
and then going down the straight and just setting the wheel just do this letting go limp because yeah. that's what i'm used to doing with the full seatbelt wheel and so bad habits do come the other way as well um yeah 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 i can see that i could see that being that way um no it's just like thinking about it in the background it's you know guys like guys like james baldwin um it is, it is james isn't it his first yeah 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 you know, I thought I got that wrong there for a second. I was like, <laughs> I was like um, guys, guys like James, I think have really, and yourself as well, um, you know, have really kind of opened the eyes, I think, to the possibilities of what, what is available. It's just like, mm. you know, obviously he didn't have the budget when he was, when he first started out mm. racing, you know, alternatively went into, went into sim racing and then got taken on by a GT3 team and it's just exploded. So I think it's, I think, I mean, obviously uh, Nissan were doing, doing a similar thing. Um, you know, Jan Mardenborough was very successful as a result. So I, mm. I think, I think the potential is there. It's just like you say, it's trying to, trying to marry it up at the right time, I suppose. It's, it's kind of hard, I think, to put a sim race into a race car and get a good result all the time. Um, because like with, and this is the pressure that I feel at the moment as well, with all those passings, they've all been like, people who have actually raced before you know like um like a good friend of mine uh, lucas ordonez who also won gt academy spanish driver um he raced carts when he was younger you know uh, james baldwin carts some yeah. formula ford racers you know they've all been racing drivers yeah kind of already i haven't got none of that like uh, i'm going in properly as like i've done a little bit of karting because of a fellow named super gt steve brown and i thought oh, i'll give that a go and see how i am and that was basically all i've done there's no like youth you know because i think like you have to do it when you're young to build that skill up you you can't learn it as an adult i don't think not not in the same way as you would if, when you're a kid so um i remember there was also a really famous example of a, as a driver called gregor hutu who's a bit of a sim racing goat to be honest um as a finnish fella who won like everything about 10 years ago basically uh, 10 15 years ago he was the man and they put him in a skip barber at road atlanta and he threw up he couldn't deal with it what motion sickness yeah went around and it came back and you saw all down his suit everywhere so he, he really had a horrible time and that was the end of that he never got in the car again from as far as i know oh, i bet he was gutted i don't think he cared some really? some some peeps there are there are a surprising amount of sim racers who are not racing fans they they go out there and they just like the competitiveness of it they don't like you said i know there's a again a really famous example and, and another good friend of mine is matt malone uh, yeah, he's a twitch streamer he yeah. knows nothing about racing absolutely nothing <laughs> but uh, he, i said he would be open about that though as well he just yeah he thought, is he's, he, I, I, say, I, was, I say i'm malone who's your favorite wec driver it's like, it's like ah, is, is Alonso still doing it? I'm like, no, no. Like, you know, and, and that, that's basically it. Like, that's, that's the response you get. He cracks me up, that guy. Yeah. Right. Really, like, didn't he? Didn't he represent? Um, didn't Alonso have a have a? Yeah, team? exactly. That's yeah. what I mean. That's, that's the only, that's the only reason he knows who he is. It's because he was yeah. part of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then did, did he get? He didn't get ditched, did he? Or he couldn't do? I, I think there's, there's been a lot of like sim racing teams come along with big backing and then suddenly disappear without paying you i've i've been i've been very fortunate to avoid all those but i know people who haven't yeah yeah no yeah. it's getting well you know sim racing is getting like real racing when that happens because that happens <laughs> yeah. as well. well unfortunately we were victim of it um beginning of well end of last year um 
But uh, no, so the Mazda then, yeah. the, <laughs> the legendary <laughs> is the Mazda. That that thing started life as what? Pretty much, I'm not I'm not being disrespectful here, but a bit, a bit of a shit box, wasn't it? <laughs> it's like, like I remember I remember when you said, "Oh, I'm going to turn it into a race car." I was like. Jimmy, the first time you take that flat through a corner, it's going to split in half. <laughs> like, I mean, to be honest, it kind of was like it was like that before we had all the the caves and stuff put in it. Um, it wasn't the most secure thing in the world, bless it. Um, but yeah, I think shitbox. Yeah, now it's it's there, but shitbox is a fair, <laughs> it's, fair description. What was it? The first, was it the first or the second track day you took it to, and it and it was just like two laps breaks. Two laps breaks. <laughs> Two yeah. <lap> breaks. <laughs> it was just like out lap, in lap. I need to let the brakes cool down. I was like, yeah, yeah, pretty. I've had that as well a few times. But yeah, it's so, got better though. What, what, are you, what are you looking to do with the Mazda then? So the idea is we want to enter it in Time Attack UK. Mm. Um, mainly because like I wanted to, well, as, as you know, racing, there's regulations for racing. You know, like you have to build a car to a set of regs and then go racing with it. I don't like regs, not really. You know, I like the idea of being free and doing crazy stuff because I'm big into, you know, Gran Turismo as a kid. So in GT4, you could put rear wings on pretty much anything. So I, I had a you know, Fiat Panda with this gigantic rear wing. It was fantastic. It was a little box car. Um, so I've, I've always I've always loved the idea of making my car quicker. The MX-5 is the first car that I really bought as like an enthusiast yeah like i was like and because you but mx5s are really fucking slow like they are one of the slowest cars you can get but one of the also one of the funnest cars you can drive as a stock car they're just balanced yeah they're 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 they're, you can chuck them through corners you they're nice little responsive 1.6 if you go for that engine and it felt you're so low that doing 30 miles an hour feels like you're doing 60 which is amazing um but I was like, well, okay, I would love to race this, but not actually against people because I, I love the car too much. It's my car. I yeah. don't want to be bashed off a circuit by, you know, some 17-year-old kid with his dad paying all his bills. You know, I, I want to yeah. race in a series where, like, it's more about you're, you're against yourself. You know, you're, yourself as a driver. And, yeah. you know, there are other, you are people in your class, of course, but really you're, you're driving against yourself. And I, I, I remember saying to my my tuner ages ago like what's the fastest master you've ever made you know also and he's like oh we did one spot 400 break once you know like yeah don't haven't seen it for a while assume it's blown up you know um <laughs> because the, the stock mx5 engine isn't really that strong but then i was like i want to own the fastest Mazda in the uk this was like two years ago and i was like i have no idea how i want to do this but i want to own the fastest mx5 in the uk that's what i want to do go home <laughs> yeah exactly like what's the point otherwise and then, like, things started slowly happening, you know, took it to a couple of track days, as you said, discovered that it wasn't very fast. And that it was, uh, um, like, if you watch the, the day back, you can see I'm going so slow through the corners because the car felt like it was going to kill me. Every time I turned in, <laughs> the rear end felt like it was going to do that. Um, the, the front just scrubbed relentlessly whenever you turned in. And then we had, initially we had a TDO5 turbo, which was far too big for the, yeah. the the car we were driving so like, the power band was like nothing 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 and you're dead ah! like yeah um so a lot of learning we've gone through that and now i've got a really great sponsor in uh, kw who are helping us set the car up make yeah. it actually work properly i've got a proper hardcore cage in there now it's such a such a pretty cage it's 
Well, I think we've built it far beyond the regs. Like it's one of those ones where it's just this is now the most rigid thing in the world. Best to go overboard, mate, on that stuff. You can't scrimp on safety. Yeah, hundred um, percent. We've got another partner in Funk Motorsport who are helping us sort out our cooling issues. Yeah. Um, as well, I've got a fab guy. Uh, we've got an aero guy now. You know, we've got all these people who are really excited and passionate about this project. And the I like mega. <laughs> it's brilliant. The, well, the, again, the, to go on the costs, the rear wing alone cost i think two and a half grand yeah um it's a proper like dual element yeah carbon wing um it's made by the guys who um it's dj racing the guys that did the top gear uh brick car aero you know when yeah. they did that yeah, they, yeah. they made the aero for that that's like, that's my claim to fame now i've got the same oh, aero like, oh right, i didn't know that um but the problem is that the rear wing's so good the front splitter is basically completely overpowered so we have to run the rear wing on the lowest possible setting until we can figure out how to get more aero at the front. So, yeah, really. uh, and, we, and we've not even tested the car yet, and we know that. So, like, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just this journey for me is almost like as exciting as the thing with Praga because it's our car. We're, you know, we're a bunch of idiots trying to make something go fast. And for me, that's like, that's what racing is. It's like just that pursuit of speed in your own little way. Yeah. A yeah. million percent. And no, and no one's tried to do it with an MX5 yet. So, I, I honestly, I, I'm, yeah, just just like you said a second ago, I'm 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 probably as excited about seeing that seeing that on track as the uh, as as the Praga stuff. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with you on the um, on the front of uh, of regulations. Like, I I know why regulations are there. You know, mm. safety and competitive side. Um, you know, I'm fully on board with it. And you know, ultimately, every race series pretty much has regulations. Um, but one thing that, so I've, I've got two big bucket lists and I will get there. There's no fucking way I'm not getting there. I will bust a gut. Um, but Pike's peak, definitely going to, mm. uh, going to Pike's peak. Um, and Le Mans as well, like I said earlier is, is the other one. So yeah. Um, Pike's nice peak. easy ones then. Yeah. 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 Why not? <laughs> it's like we say, mate, you know, you go big or go home on the Mazda and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll back it up. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I can, I can relate to that. Um, you know, the, the Pikes Peak stuff with zero, pretty, pretty much zero regs, um, mm. you know, as much power as you can get, as much aero as you can get. And one of the most dangerous, I'd argue one of the most dangerous road courses in the world is, um, yeah, definitely. It's just a recipe for put me there. I want to be there. Um, yeah. It's always very attractive that bit of danger, isn't it? I mean, uh, I know it sounds like one of those cliche things, but it's it's nice to. I wouldn't say I go looking for like danger, but it's nice to like. It's a nice little kick, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It, it's uh, racing wouldn't be what it is without the danger. You can you can mm. guard against it. You can put. I mean, you know, let's face it. You know, there have been some pretty horrific accidents over the last few years, um, but you know, all, all things considered. Um, you know, safety is pretty good in 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 motorsport. I'd say at the, at the moment, specifically safest ever been. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's only going to going to continue to get that way. Um, and you know, obviously, you know, anyone who who says safety isn't important, I'll, you know, I'd say that's that's not the way you want to be thinking about it. But I don't think it's ever going to be a sport that you can make completely safe. Mm. It's just it's just not. No. If people say it's it's oh that could never happen, well. Well, look what they said about the Titanic. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I, I know, I, but well, you know, of course, you know better than I do. But when you're out there, it never occurs to you that anything's going to go wrong. You never think that ever. Like so, um, 
it's the same with you know, any car out there. Although I admit, I might have thought that a bit when I was driving the Mazda brand. Yeah. I was like, I was like oh, no. yeah. it's a bit dangerous. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, hundred percent. I'm, I'm with you on that one. It's, um, it, for me, racing and and the idea behind racing minds was, um, I know personally the amount, um, of positive reinforcement and um the massive help that racing has been for my mental health um purely from a perspective of not only i'm a a fierce competitor i hate to lose i just hate it um so i need that outlet Um, but also it's one of the only sports like a lot of sports can can say this but i i genuinely believe not to this level and what i mean by that is um your life is in your in your hands and that doesn't focus the mind anywhere near you know there's, there's nothing that focuses the mind anywhere near as much as that um you know so literally the only thing you're focused on when you're racing is what's your competition doing what's your breaking point what's your turning point where's your apex and when are you going to get on the throttle um and f- for me that that's everything to me um you know it may sound very simple but makes me happy so (laughs) i I don't i don't think it needs to be justified at all i mean 100 percent. i I agree you know it's it's nothing like ragging a car on a circuit (laughs) absolutely absolutely as long as i don't bin it again yeah Yeah. um mate so tonight has been uh, to be quite honest uh, a bit of a dream come true for me um I'm, i'm a big fan so um you know i can't thank you enough for your time mate um it's a it's a huge privilege to get you on the show um i know you're a big uh, advocate of mental health and you'll continue to be um to be that way into the future um so all i'm going to say is i hope we can do this again sometime um you know obviously i hope to see you around the circuits as well i'll be coaching around the brick car paddock so i'll come say hi sometime um but massive thank you for your time tonight mate uh, really appreciate your time jimmy and uh take it easy Oh, it's been my pleasure, Jamie. Thank you so much for the, the talk. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I can come back in the future. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Thanks, mate.